Welcome to Carcon Carne, episode 787. I'm James Van Osdell. And yes, it's going to be warmer out this weekend, but right now it's cold and it's going to be cold again. This is the Midwest. We're heading toward winter, which means now is the time to go solar. Introducing Transparent Solar with my friend Brent Sopel. Go to Sopel Solar, S-O-P-E-L, solar.com. Brent Sopel, former Chicago Blackhawk, is going to help you go solar and enjoy benefits like a 25-year warranty. You can save money on your electric bill right after installation, and you can increase your home value in the process. SopelSolar.com to learn more. It's car con carne. Let's eat in the car. It's car con carne. And now here's the star of our show, James Van So, Matt Pace, he's an author, and the last time he was on, we talked about his book, Zach Morris Lied 329 Times, Reassessing Every Ridiculous Episode of Saved by the Bell. Matt's back with a brand new book that broadens his 90s pop culture net. It's called Talk 90s With Me, 23 Unpredictable Conversations with Stars of an Unforgettable Decade. It's a collection of interviews with entertainers from the 1990s. Matt joins us again. It is lovely to see you. Thanks for being back on. Great seeing you, James. Thanks so much for having me. So let's start right out of the gate with the same two questions you asked all your subjects. First, what's something from the 90s that you're nostalgic for? Man, I should have been prepared for that, right? Come on. I've been asking that for the last year. Uh, wow. Well, I feel like I've just had it been sort of, it's been inceptioned into my brain from so many of the answers in the book of how many people uh, really missed sort of the different pace and the different degree of reachability or lack thereof um, of the 90s. You know, it's it's both the obvious and the semi-mandatory place that I think a lot of people's minds went to when I asked that question, which is just, you know, the technology it's, it's news to nobody that that has changed our lives massively. And, and when I pose that to many people, they, they just kind of missed not having to be connected to their phones, not having to yeah. look at what's going on, on the internet and not just being reachable all the time. It was a different, um, life was just enormously massively different in case anyone somehow didn't know that. <laughs> well, and of course, along those lines, cameras weren't in everyone's pockets in their phones. Like we got away with a lot more shit back then. That's that's one way to put it for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, I I know that I've certainly had conversations with a lot of people, just just friends and, and anyone when thinking back to those days. And I'm not sure I've heard anyone say, oh, man, I my college experience would have been so much better if, if Instagram <laughs> was a bigger thing at that time. Like we're all we're happy that that wasn't a thing. People weren't didn't have their eyes on their phones all the time. And and it was for the better. That's not to say that there haven't been benefits of all that stuff. There have. But but I, have you ever heard of someone who grew up at that time wishing that they had all the stuff they had now? I, I think back to when I was a kid, having my parents pick me up from like the Aragon or Metro. And it was just a leap of faith. Like, yeah, it should be done around 10. And they would circle, <laughs> the, they would circle the block. And at some point, you'd hope that they would find you. You would, you would find them and they'd take you home. Now, of course... Kid, these kids today they've got their phones everything can be triangulated within within inches i kind of miss that uh that frontier period 
where everything was kind of the kind of the roll of the dice. There was a, a certain innocence to having printed out map question map quest directions on your passenger seat or in the back, right? For um, sure. So yeah, there's there's charm charm to the the analog ways of of your. So again, the book, Talk 90s with me, 23 Unpredictable Conversations with Stars of an Unforgettable Decade. The second question you've asked of everyone, what movie or show from that time meant or still means a lot to you? Sure. Well, you know, when I when I think of some of the properties that are not represented in this book, um, I mean, I think about a movie like Quiz Show that was one of the first experiences in the theater where I came out feeling like my entire perspective on movies had changed. And the fact that the friend that I saw it with thought it was the most boring movie he'd ever seen in his whole oh, life. And I, I was like blown away at how much I loved it. And it's, you know, so not everything is for everyone. That's fine. It shouldn't be. Um, but, but that really sticks out of my mind as um, an impactful uh, moment of, of seeing something. And I, I certainly thought about who I might uh, approach for, for the book about that movie. I, I have interviewed John Turturro um, previously, but um, you know, there, one of the amazing things about doing this project is that obviously there was just no shortage of material there. It would have been ridiculous to do something that was trying to claim. These are the, the 10 best movies and the 10 best shows, or even these are the x number of properties that mean the most to me or something like that it was really just making sure i wanted to focus on movies and shows that i thought were still worth discussing um performances that were worth celebrating and people that i was actually interested in talking to and um that narrows it down as necessary but also is an extremely wide net too let's take one step further back from casting that wide net why a book on the 90s? I mean, you talked about what the 90s represented, but it seems like a big, big thing to wrap your arms around. It, it, it seems almost like a, a a personal challenge to yourself to try and do a book like this. You know me so well, James. <laughs> to an extent, I was sort of curious what would happen if I just tried to reach out to a bunch of people from the 90s and, and introduce myself and, and say my new book is a collection of interviews with people from the 90s. Hey, do you want to talk to me? Um, and so certainly having that develop over time. And also, you know, the point wasn't to talk to people for 10 minutes. Um, the average length of the, these conversations is about 60 to 75 minutes. And for obvious reasons that the difference in the type of depth and intimacy that you can achieve through that, um, I was really, it was amazing. I mean, I was so thrilled at the way that, that these unfolded and, you know, I was in, in all the 15 to 20 minute, uh, interviews, either phone interviews or, um, in a hotel room that I did back in the day for red eye, I was extremely thankful for those. Those were fun. I think you can get a lot of great material from that, uh, time frame too, but, but the voice that I was going for then and just the, the, the time frame um, changes the rhythm of, of the conversation completely and to be able to flesh things out and, and truly get to know people. Um, I know sometimes people, I think celebrity interviews, often people sort of question how much can come out of them because a lot of it 
can feel canned. Sometimes yeah. people have, have read too many interviews that are interchangeable. And whether it's because of the person asking the questions or the person giving the answers, they're just not that inspired by it. But I was really proud and excited about um, where these conversations were able to go. Um, and as far as your question about why approach the 90s this way, I, I mean, I think it's a bunch of things at once. Part of it is having my own kids uh, now and thinking about the type of pop culture that they will consume and look for and be introduced to by me <laughs> or my wife um, as they get older and thinking about the, the enormous changes that have happened in terms of what's being made now versus mm -hmm. in the 90s. Um, and also just as I continually with so much being accessible on streaming now and just the way that we so many of these properties from the 90s in many ways haven't gone away, whether it's because they've been uh, rebooted as a, a new Say by the Bell series, a new Fresh Prince series, a new Boy Meets World series, or a new Hellraiser movie. Jurassic World franchise, or just anything like that. It's, it's re-examining my own relationship almost of like, whoa, what, why did I love that as a kid? How do I feel about that now? You kind of addressed the, the comforts uh, your subjects had in talking about this period, although certainly some came off as maybe a little more practiced. Shannon Elizabeth, I think, came off a little more stiff than some of the other people you talked to. Uh, well, I, I definitely know what you mean when you say that. And I think the reason for that is because American Pie is one of the few uh, movies or shows discussed in the book that that needed. It would have been wrong to do an interview about that movie without uh, acknowledging kind of the different lens through which we see it now. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of things in the book that um, pretty much look the same now, I would say, to an yeah. extent. Little Big League, that thing you do. Um, sure. You know, we have hindsight and the world looks a lot different now. So we sort of contextualize those movies differently. But generally, that stuff mostly looks the same. American Pie doesn't. So um, having some of those, uh, on a bunch of those questions, recognizing the way that that movie feels differently now, I, I think... Shannon Elizabeth did a really good job of explaining where people's heads were at then. And the, the movie wasn't trying to say anything. It wasn't really trying to ask any questions and it was just trying to be fun. And when we look at it now with that in mind, it's sort of like, well, that kind of fun maybe isn't so great, right. um, but, but she isn't wrong in the way that she's explaining what it was going for at that time. For sure. Does the, time and distance between the 1990s and 2022 or did that time and distance allow people to feel more relaxed because i feel like when you ask someone right after something they're going to have their walls up but a couple decades later it's kind of like ah oh, fuck it i'll say whatever did you get that vibe <laughs> when you're when you're talking to people absolutely i i think that was a huge part of it um when you're when you're interviewing someone who's promoting something that comes out next week they are going to have a particular focus. They, they know how they're supposed to handle things. And the line of questioning is also going to be a certain way too. reflecting on um, a handful of significant roles in one's life from uh, 25, 30 years ago. Of course there, and I'm glad, you know, I'm, I'm sure there, there could be some people who would still feel sort of protective of some things and not want to even be a little bit playful or insightful about the material or, or what went into it in any way. But, you know, as, as I know, you know, since you were kind enough to check out the book, 
Um, this wasn't trying to, you know, push someone into some conjuring up some kind of untold story that, right. that isn't there. A lot of it is really asking them to engage with the material in a way that is both direct, but also just trying to have a, you know, I, I put on the back cover for a reason. This is meant to feel like getting a drink with these people or just having a long phone call. Like people did a lot more in the nineties. So, you know, when talking to Ariana Richards um, from Jurassic Park, being able to discuss, hey, can people even have their minds blown at the movies now the way that I did when I was 10 years old and, yeah. and saw that? And it's it sounds ridiculous to, to call something like Jurassic Park like handmade, you know, but but effects were different then. So yeah, for sure. do and the way that I think it felt to see a movie like that and say, oh, I didn't know this was possible in a movie. I, I'd really be curious if if young viewers who are seeing just the absolute onslaught of existing properties that that used to be only in the summer and now is seemingly every five minutes. Um, <laughs> are they seeing something that they didn't think was possible on screen or is it just like, wow, that reminds me of the thing I saw yesterday? Sure. There is a lot of that. No doubt about it. So thinking about these conversations that you said you you wanted to, you wanted them to sound like you know or come across like just a couple of people having a drink or, or hanging out friends. The, one, it's funny you should say that as I'm reading these interviews, I thought, oh, these would have been great podcast episodes. Had you thought about an audiobook ex- expression <laughs> I, of this? I appreciate that. You know, as I think, if I had known at the beginning that the I was going to have as much time with people as I wound up having. Um, I probably would have asked for the permission to use the audio <laughs> in advance um, because I think you're right in a lot of ways. I think a lot of people who read the book will, will feel that way that, that it could just be sort of like the book version of, of a podcast um, because, and I think that's a good thing because yes. that is, that goes to show you why podcasts have been so successful because by having time to get comfortable with someone and make it feel not like an interview, but just a conversation between two people that that seems like a small change, but the the impact of that really is um, really large. And and the, especially seeing how that can play out over, I mean, the, the, a couple of these interviews were like an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes or something. So, you know, the some something like the average for the each interview in the book is what, 13 pages or so. I didn't want to do something wasn't meant to be 50 pages per interview. It's, and it's meant to be a balance of, of thought provoking stuff and fun stuff. I think the, the idea is first um, get people in because talking about, you know, not everyone is going to respond to everything that's covered here. Um, Maybe you didn't watch Felicity, but you watch Power Rangers, you know, maybe you didn't watch, you know, whatever it may be. Um, There's, there's, I'd be surprised if there weren't a number of things that that people really were familiar with or loved when they were kids. Even something, I mean, I think if you stop 100 people on the street and ask them if they love the movie Airborne, I don't know how many people would say yes. But but that that was sort of a good example of what made the 90s fun for kids growing up at that time is like no no one's claiming that that's the best movie of all time i think it's without a doubt the best movie about rollerblading set in cincinnati of all time hands down um but it's you know i loved it then i i still 
feel fondly about it now. I was happy to see, you know, rewatching it to interview the star Shane McDermott. I, I still found it really um, enjoyable. And, and the way that a lot of those just sort of off the beaten path type movies or the mid budget movies um, mm-hmm. have not entirely gone away, but largely gone away now um, is a lot of what's represented in this book, I think. And that's where I was going next, because I was thinking about Angus um, and some of the other movies, like Can't Hardly Wait, which fun movie. How big of that net, or how big was that net? And did you have just like a vision board of everyone you wanted to track down? Or I, I know when I book my podcast, yeah, I would like to have, let's just say, Foo Fighters as a guest, but I know I'm probably safer and I'm going to be more efficient with my time. If I target blood people from Chicago, was that the kind of thing with you? Like, yeah, I'd love to have Tom Hanks talking about Forrest Gump, but I could talk to Leanna Creel from saved by the bell a whole lot easier. Certainly I was aware of what would be a stretch versus what I thought was more likely to happen. But at the same time, I was also often surprised by who, who said yes and who said no. So, um, you know, I had a, a ridiculously long Google Doc of possibilities <laughs> when I was gathering contact information for you folks. Should see my, you should see my Google Sheets. I've got, you know, like <laughs> 30 tabs for Carcon Carney. Yeah. I wanted to just lay it all out there and pick and choose. And, and certainly um, there were a number of people I reached out about who either I never heard anything back or um, their representation said no, and that's fine. Um, but I wound up looking back at the list and sometimes would see, you know, the, the, the people who I reached out to um, were the ones that I was interested in and the ones that I put on the list and then didn't reach out to, you know, was always for a reason. Maybe it's because I didn't feel like there were, I just wasn't interested in that person or I didn't think that that movie or show had as much that was worth talking about or something. It was, you know, it's sort of the, it seems like a great thing to have an absolute wealth of possibilities, but in terms of narrowing it down, it was almost to a degree, the book took shape as the interviews were confirmed. And I started mm-hmm. to really see a theme emerging in terms of um, the, the idea that a lot of these people I think were important parts of the era, but sometimes overlooked either because yep. they never had a hit or their career didn't quite, exist beyond that period in the way that it seemed like it would at the time but but it, that doesn't matter there's part of what makes i mean in the same maybe i wouldn't say the same but in a similar way to my book about say by the bell where i knew that all the people i was interviewing for that um might not be household names to the average person but that if you talk to a say by the bell fan and say that you have a book that not only counts Zach's lies, but also interviews giant Dakota and nurse Jennifer and all these people, they're going to think that's cool and that not be concerned about what, what they're up to today. Um, you know, for this, for this book, these, these people were so important to whether it was two properties or six properties or whatever it may be. I mean, I, I just, it was such a pleasure to both kind of travel back to that time, but also yeah. really, I feel like I learned so much about these people and really feel like I was learning about um, the material and why it made the impact that it did or something that I would think differently about it now. Um, and, and to your point earlier about like a personal challenge, um, 
there were a lot of things that by uh, preparing for these interviews uh, and, and engaging with the people in all the material this way, I wouldn't have thought about any of this stuff if I wasn't doing this, but I wanted right. to. The bottom line, and you said it without saying it, everyone has an interesting story to tell, whether you're Tom Hanks or Billy West, uh, you have, they all have an interesting story to tell. And it's your job as the writer, as the interviewer, for me as a podcaster to make people who may not think they're interested in those people become interested. And that's what you did because as I, it's funny, I realized pretty quickly when I started reading the book, exactly what that angle was and that what what the approach was I'm like, okay, I don't know a lot of these people, not at least not by name. I, I know them visually and you put, you contextualize everybody, uh, but you succeed in making these people interesting, interesting to someone who like me, I, I may not think, Oh, Karen Parsons. Okay. Fresh Prince. All right. You made that person interesting to me because you have these really kind of super casual and forthright conversations. So uh, you did it. I appreciate that so much, James. I'm, I'm happy you said that. And, and you're right. I mean, I, the word that I should have led with is accessible because it's not meant to be something where you have to know each of these movies and shows right. like the back of your hand by any means. It's I I'm hopeful that each piece will be interesting, whether you know it really well, or even if you don't, it, I, I wanted to be able to just have it be, like I said, thought provoking and fun, but not only for, it's it's not it's not it's not a diehard book. It's for the people who experience this stuff or even have a curiosity about the longevity of it too. Yeah, and I get it. I mean, I I, I totally understand the, the mindset and the approach with my podcast. I know that when I inter interview an independent local band, ninety percent of the people listening may not have heard of that band. So it's my job to let people know why why they should be interested. Or why Definitely. This... And, and I, I mean, I, one of my favorite parts of, of interviewing people at all is, is doing the research and taking the time to think critically and come up with, with questions that, I mean, the better questions leads to better answers when it comes to these interviews. That's just a fact. And you know that you're doing something right. If someone says, Oh, I never thought about it that way, or, or no one's ever asked me that. And it leads to something, um, really thought provoking and, and interesting. And I, I mean, I keep saying thought provoking, but like the, the point is to, you know, it's meant to be kind of like a blanket of the nineties in a way, but, but something that is both cozy and, but not just, you know, nostalgia can be comfort food, but it's, I think the goal of this was to not just feel like comfort food, but to really advance the, the way that people think about a lot of, um, the pop culture of their childhood and, and a lot of the stuff that they're thinking about now. So, you know, to talk to Dave Holmes, someone who um, came in second in want to be a VJ on MTV, but, but has since made a, a great career for himself um, as a pop culture expert. And, you know, an interview like that, you know, to quote the extremely cliche line from Lebowski about tying the room together, you know, that, that really was able to access a different, um, element of the 90s and a different insight from a different um someone who experienced it differently to really comment on uh how things unfolded then and how we see it now you know i i loved asking him um if every generation thinks that the stuff of their childhood was um better isn't someone going to be right about that at some point <laughs> it's hard not to feel that way these days 
For sure. And I'm glad you mentioned the Dave Holmes interview because that was one of my favorites. And maybe it's just the music person in me, but that was that was one I gravitated toward. I really enjoyed reading that. And he, I appreciate that. I, If you had asked me to guess which ones you preferred, I probably would have put that on the list, but uh-huh. I'm glad that you felt that way. You talked about, you kind of touched on preparation and getting into these interviews. I look at the work you did here and the stuff you covered and thinking about it makes me break into a cold sweat, knowing how much preparation had to go into each conversation, having to go back into each of these people's body of work. And for me, if I need to prep for a band, it's like, okay, I can scan through a couple songs. It brings me back, but we're talking about movies here. We're talking about TV series, how much digging into people's filmographies did you have to do to, to prep for this? Yeah, that's a great question. And the short answer is it depends. It was totally, I mean, we have to lead with the fact that this was very much through the filter of my own experience. Um, there wasn't, I did reach out about a few possible interviews with, for people um, where I had really never seen the show or the movie because it was something that I was interested in and felt that it would be a good part of the book, but that stuff didn't really pan out anyways. For the most part, this was stuff that, you know, whether it was Fresh Prince or Stay by the Bell or Jurassic Park or that thing you do or Newsies or something, I didn't, I, I did rewatch parts or all of everything um, as needed, but it wasn't like I had to say, oh no, I've never seen Boy meets for or time to watch every episode so i know <laughs> i know what to ask mr feeney you know um <clears throat> excuse me so it was it was definitely refreshing my memory about the material and and bring my adult mindset to that stuff now versus how i might have thought about it then because no matter how well i might have known a movie i wasn't going to think about the questions i wanted to ask without rewatching it of course but but it's also reading, watching, listening to as many interviews with that person as I can sure. possibly find. That's that's where the research really comes in and knowing what has been covered, knowing where there's an opportunity for a follow-up and, and just mm-hmm. thinking about things in a new way. And then using, as you said, by starting out with those two questions about nostalgia, I think that really put people in a a place where they were, yeah. you know, we weren't diving in right away. The first question wasn't just like, how could you possibly like, first of all, none of the, I guess none of the questions started with how could you possibly do anything? Um, but, but just having a couple of questions off the bat that made people feel warm and thinking about just their own lives and, and being 20, 30 years younger at the, um, in the nineties, what, what, what do you miss? What as, as just a person and as a, fan of pop culture and then by getting into everything else i really think it i i'm i don't think i realized at the beginning when i started doing that just what an impact that would um have in terms of leading to the the openness that people showed yeah really well done and it's funny you said 20 to 30 years ago are you like me i still think the 90s were 10 years ago i I i'm having a really hard time with this Absolutely. Yes. It's, I, I have, I have to do the math every single time I say that because it doesn't sound right. Um, and it's also because I, I mean, a lot has changed since then, obviously, Indeed. but it's also because I, I can't help but wonder if the bracket of nostalgia will keep moving on or I wonder the same thing. 
is is it sort of going to stop? It's not to say that there aren't things in the early 2000s that can come back or can be remembered fondly in the way that we are with some of the properties of the 90s. But I'm, I'm not sure I would believe that that you can make the same case for the, that 10 years versus the 90s. Like, we're not going to be in the same position 10 years from now that we are now when we look back at the pop culture, right? I, I, I have the same questions all the time, and I don't know if it's because I'm of a certain age, but I can't, I can't see it. Not like the so I don't, I don't know if, if we're just going to kind of stay in this suspended period um, of the nineties, which there's, there's still more to draw from, but then again, we also got, he's all that recently. And that wasn't the, the worst sin that's been committed of, of reviving something, but we probably didn't need that. So uh, of this list of people who you spoke to, Dougie, Doug, um, Aaron Schwartz, um, Tom Everett Scott, uh, you mentioned that thing you do. Was there anyone who you were, I mean, you pro- I know the answer is probably not, but was there anyone you nerded out to? Like you, you got the interview, you're like, oh, I can't believe I'm going to do this. That's amazing. Like, did you have a connection to a league of their own? So when you talk to Megan Kavanaugh, you're like, oh my God, I can't believe this is really going on. <laughs> um, hmm. You know, I think I think by the time it was taking place, I had probably gone around to the idea of it happening. But but what that makes me think of more so is like the attempt to tell the the like my the own 10-year-old version of myself that all mm-hmm. this happened. <laughs> right. Um, which I could say that about a lot of a lot of the interviews I've done. And and even though I've talked to hundreds of people and and I'm you know, I like to think pretty comfortable and experienced with it. Now the, the, I, the reality of, of doing that and just where that interest started from, um, I, I just appreciate and value because that's, that's another answer to your question about why I do this at all. The nineties was the time when I was growing up and it, it feeling like these were, places where I was receiving information and it doesn't mean it seemed like it was the answers for, for the world, but it's, it was always interesting to me to consider what something was doing and saying. And, and as I got older, sort of how to reconcile with that. Um, I mean, I hated heavyweights the first time I saw it. I don't quite remember why, um, <laughs> Now it's now it's mildly enjoyable. It's not one of my favorite uh, movies or shows covered in the book, but but I love talking to Aaron Schwartz, who is in both that and Mighty Ducks franchise, and he was a fantastic interview. And um, it's it's just the idea of, I guess, I was a little bit surprised that that William Daniels and his wife Bonnie Bartlett were up for doing the interview. I mean, he's in his mid nineties. Yeah. Um, so I think that one was one of the more surprising yeses I got. I think he was, a, he was in the graduate. He was. <laughs> um, a lot of these people were not alive when the graduate was made. Right. But um, I mean, Mr. Boy Meets World was something I loved and still think has a lot of good seasons in it. Uh, and and Mr. Feeney is 
just a, a major character of the 90s. So that was, as, as you saw, that was a really interesting example of sometimes, no matter what, all you, all you hope for is answers that will be meaningful and, and cause people to think or laugh or just have some kind of um, reaction uh, in some kind of way. And sometimes that, that can be the case of, of not getting the things that you're expecting or hoping for too sometimes. Um, but, um, you know, that was, that was a privilege to get to talk to him and, and for all of these. I mean, I was so grateful for everyone who said yes. Uh, along those lines, was there a moment in any of these conversations that was especially moving to you? Uh, yeah, there. I, I mean, I think there were every time someone was clearly. I really sort of recoil at the phrase opening up because it's become such a cliche. Anytime you see a, like the headline or the, the sub headline where someone says like, so-and-so opens up about the time their shoe fell off. It's like, they're not really, they weren't opening up that suggests that they were closed off about it before they weren't. You just, you know, whatever. Um, this is extremely inside baseball from an interviewer's perspective. I realize I love um, inside baseball, Bring it on. <laughs> but no, I mean, you know, to, to talk to Megan Cavanaugh, who you just mentioned about, um, you know, she's talked about a league of their own, plenty but i don't really think she's talked about robin humanity tights a whole lot and and to be able to take a lot of time and contrast the way that um a league of their own really takes to task the people who look at her character a certain way whereas in robin humanity tights her character is very much a punchline mm-hmm. and and to be able to talk to someone about the types of roles that were coming her way and the impact that that had on her own self-esteem and how she navigated each individual role and the career as a whole. I mean, these are, I love the word curious is because, because that I think is what drives a lot of my questioning. It's just the natural, it's not trying to find something that isn't there. It's just, going where your curiosity leads you and you can't you can't watch work like that and not think oh what how you know there's a person there and when there's a character for the same reason that if i could (laughs) i mean we could have a whole other conversation about 80 percent of adam sandler's work but the the nastiness of so many comedies and the people that are the object of the joke it might it might seem like fun and games to the people who are laughing and defending it just because oh it's a you know it's a joke lighting up but every joke has has a target and the best comedy understands that and isn't isn't cutting anyone down except for the ignorant person um, so being able to talk about things like that um, or or even for myself think about uh, like a movie like Little Big League which is not intended to make kids and families have a conversation about death, but it is one of many PG rated movies that includes a family member passing away. And, you know, just everyone, everyone probably remembers the first movie or show that they encountered that um, made them think about that or, or that they had to have a conversation with their family. You know, I mentioned it when I was talking to Luke Edwards, I said, going to see all dogs go to heaven um, with my mom and a friend and his mom and us leaving because they weren't, even though that's the title, 
I, I totally get that they weren't thinking that that was going to be right. a movie that would have to lead to a conversation with seven-year-olds about death. You just don't think that that's going to happen with kids' movies, but a lot of them hinge on stuff like that. So again, talk 90s with me. 23 unpredictable conversations with stars of an unforgettable decade, all true. Now that this book is out, now that people are consuming it, and it's for it's not just you don't have to, you mentioned the word nostalgia earlier. You don't have to have 90s nostalgia. If you're a fan of entertainment, and just getting to know people. That's that's what this book does. It's you're getting to know creators, artists, performers, it, it, super interesting stuff. But now that it's out, do you have people reaching out saying, oh, you should probably talk to so-and-so. I bet they would talk for your next book. Like, I, I, <laughs> I, I can see um, this being a series very easily. 23 I, more unpredictable conversations. I absolutely think you're right that there are more than enough people and properties to lead to more volumes for sure. I, I haven't had anyone volunteer quite yet, um, but I, I have to imagine that, that anyone who knows about this book is also thinking of, Hey, why didn't you talk to this person or, or this person or whoever? And um, you know, I, I mentioned in the intro of how many people from the nineties I've, I got to interview uh, years ago, but but even those, it's not like when I interviewed Wesley Snipes, I wasn't sitting around talking about all the stuff in the '90s. That was for one right. of the newer movies that he did. So there's so many, so many people that would be on the table if I were to um, do a volume two or or anything like that. So um, yeah, I mean, I think about shows like Freaks and Geeks or yeah. um, you know Boogie Nights or 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 any so many movies and so many shows that um, there are a lot of people that I've talked to before, but many that I would be happy to talk to again or for the first time, for sure. Especially if they can, I mean, it was, it was, it was pretty incredible. The, there was, you know, one of the interviews, the person got on the phone and said, Oh, I have like 15 minutes. I said, Oh, um, (laughs) these are actually, you know, going kind of close to an hour. Like is, so she said, okay, well, let's just, let's just, get started. So after 15 minutes or so, I said, you know, I want to be respectful of your time. I very much the whole point of the book is to talk to people at length. But at that point, she said, Oh, you know what, I'm enjoying this, let's keep going. And then we talked for another 40 or so. So it's just about, you know, getting in, getting the access, but then making it worthwhile for everybody. I love it. Okay. Mad Pace, talk 90s with me 23 unpredictable conversations with stars of an unforgettable decade. It's awesome. It's super fun. I I know that this was a mountain of work for you and it paid off. Congratulations. Thank you so much, James. That means a lot. Really appreciate you having me back.